Hi, I'm Linda McGlasson, and this is the Information Security Media Group's podcast series. Today we're talking with business continuity expert Tom Walsh. Tom's a nationally recognized speaker and a certified information systems security professional, or CISP, and has passed the certification exam for business continuity professionals sponsored by DRY International, the Institute for Continuity Management. He's a highly rated speaker at MIS Training Institute conferences and is often quoted in journals and newsletters. He's also presenting our upcoming webinar webinar entitled Business Continuity Planning Best Practices. Welcome, Tom. Well, hi, Linda. Thank you for the nice introduction. Uh, the subject we're going to talk about is disaster recovery and business continuity planning and the potential for new types of threats such as terrorist attacks and health epidemics also justify the need for organizations, including financial institutions, to reassess existing plans and strategies for business continuity. The rise in threats requires security professionals uh, at financial institutions to be prepared to address the shift in executive thinking, which has gone from a what-if to are we ready in the event of? And one example that I can think of right now is the predicted storms and hurricanes for the next hurricane season. And Tom, this leads me to my first question to you. What's the worst thing that can happen to a financial institution if they don't have a BCP or it's not up to date? Oh, yeah, Linda, I'd say that absolutely the worst thing, of course, is the survival of the business. Um, Statistics regarding, you know, the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center buildings, both in the, in the 1993 bombings and the one that occurred at 9-11, uh, statistics show about half of the organizations in those buildings had a business continuity plan. Now, those that didn't, the majority of those businesses went out of business, either immediately or within the years following. So I'm not saying that you will definitely go out of business without a business continuity plan, However, you know, you're going to greatly reduce your odds of going out of business if you have one. So it is a good business um, um, strategy to have a plan. And, of course, depending on your organization, you have to have a plan in order to comply with regulatory requirements. You know, I always put that last because I still think their primary focus and driver should always be business first. And um, if we do the right things, compliance will fall right into place. Okay, uh, and why is it not enough to just plan? Why, why, what's the use of exercising a plan when, you know, nothing's going to happen? Well, and, and Linda, if you talk to experts, they'll tell you that an untested plan is nothing more than just a documented vision of how you think things are going to work in a disaster. So exercising and testing, and I want to make a explanation of those two words here in just a minute, but exercising and testing is really critical because no matter how well you think you've got things planned, there will be things that will go wrong, things you hadn't thought about, and the only way you're going to find those is doing some type of an exercise or a test, or you'll find it out when you try to implement in an actual disaster. Now, the difference between those two terms, um, exercising, we exercise people, test, we test plans and test systems, we test uh, functionality. So um, one being more of a uh, kind of a drill. 
and the other being a more of an actual functional uh, testing to see if the things are going to work. Uh, so really, most experts agree that if your plan's not tested, it's really not complete. And I think that's why you'll find that the guidance we get from the FFIEC, they place such a strong emphasis on having a plan tested. Okay. Um, what, what, in your estimation, is the most common mistake or assumption that's made by uh, organizations regarding their business continuity planning? I think that the biggest mistake I've seen is that the IT folks have put together a plan without really uh, working with the business units. The key word in business continuity planning is the first word, business. Um, that's what it's all about. So, you know, I, I think the IT department tries to build a disaster recovery plan for the systems that sit inside their data center, and that's good, but that's only one aspect of the total business continuity planning. Um, it's a big uh, plan, and it covers uh, smaller pieces. There's the piece that each department or business unit has to put in place uh, for temporary downtime. I call that a contingency plan or a downtime procedure. Uh, the other problem that we have, Linda, is that when the IT department is doing this without getting direct input from the business units, they're putting together a plan that they think will meet the needs of the business. And they're not really going to know what those needs are until they go out and ask them. Likewise, I find that sometimes the business units think the IT department automatically know what's going on and they know what their priorities are and, have, and are handling it. So what you, without doing the business continuity planning and without getting the businesses involved in it, what you have is uh, two groups who each think they've got it and they understand what's going on. When, when you put them together, sometimes you find there was a disconnect. Um, so I also think, you know, the other thing that you'll find when you don't uh, include the business in this is that each of the departments or functional business units sometimes create their homegrown applications. And sometimes it starts off just as simple as somebody saying, well, I can create an Excel spreadsheet for that. And then they move it to an access database. And the next thing you know, this thing becomes the mission-critical application for that department. And the IT people don't even know it exists. So business continuity is more than just systems that sit inside of an IT data center. And getting the business involved is really uh, the most common mistake that I find. They just go out and do what they think is the best, and they haven't really gotten all of the input they need. All right. Um, moving on to another question uh, on a different uh, but very parallel uh, question line is uh, why wouldn't a an existing BCP handle uh, what may occur during a pandemic? Well, and this is kind of interesting because most of the time when we build a business continuity plan or disaster recovery, we're looking at the potential threats. And if you look at the traditional list of threats, there's going to be some kind of damage or, or destruction to our infrastructure. Uh, the systems, maybe the network, uh, could be the data center that houses these systems. In a pandemic, the systems aren't going to be affected. The infrastructure is not going to be affected. It's the people. There's been uh, some predictions that if a pandemic flu came through, it would take out somewhere between 20 to 40% of the workforce. Okay, so if 20 and 40% of your workforce is gone, 
you have a plan, but if you have no one there to execute that plan, uh, what good is it? The other thing you have to look at is, again, the infrastructure is okay, but the plan doesn't exist. And so uh, it's totally a different way of thinking. Likewise, when we think about a traditional business continuity plan where we've lost our infrastructure, we're looking generally to restore or restart in an alternate location. And normally in our alternate location, we'll have a smaller uh, area that which we try to cram everybody into. Well, in a pandemic situation, we're supposed to actually have separation. We're trying to keep from spreading the flu, so um, there's actually uh, some separation in how we, uh, where we put people. So the whole idea of that my existing business continuity plan would cover me for a pan for a pandemic is probably false thinking. You have to go back and almost have a separate approach just for that alone. Talking about the pandemic uh, possibility, what we've all been reading, what's what's your opinion, just how serious is this threat of a pandemic, uh, especially the uh, one that's predicted uh, to be caused by the avian flu? Well, again, I, Linda, from what you've read and what I've read, it seems that our experts are telling us it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um, we look into history and we notice that there have been uh, pandemics that uh, occur on a pretty uh, regular basis. Uh, just in the 20th century, there were three that uh, the experts say occurred around 1918, one around the 1957 year, and then one around 1968. So if that's any indication, it seems, and I don't want to sound like a gloom and doom kind of guy here, but it seems like we're about due for another uh, pandemic. Uh, the other challenge that we have today is that, um, and you probably know this from what you've read in papers and stuff, is that the viruses we're fighting today are more resilient, and it's harder for us to come up with immunizations to prevent the spread of these viruses. So... Um, with global travel and the ability for people to quickly go from one continent to the other, uh, the experts think that if this thing breaks out, it would not take very long before it spread worldwide. Uh, and the, the tough thing about all this, too, about the seriousness of it is uh, when, again, we think about our traditional response to an incident in business continuity planning, we're normally talking about a one-time event. We try to get a quick response to get the business back going as fast as possible. In the pandemic situation, you have a virus that occurs. It could take out the workforce for six to eight weeks. So we're talking 40, 20 to 40% of our population out of commission for six to eight weeks. And then the experts believe other strains of the virus could reoccur in waves. So it could just come in one wave, then it passes, then another wave comes and it passes, and this could go on until finally the, our immune systems are built up enough to where we no longer are, uh, uh, I guess, vulnerable to the virus. So it's really, again, a little different way of thinking about uh, planning how you're going to keep your business operating in the event of this threat. Tom. That's that's some great information, and um, thanks again for taking time to speak with us. Um, I will encourage all of our audience listening to be sure to register for our business continuity planning best practices 
webinar that's coming up on Thursday, April 19th. Uh, you'll get some further good information from Tom. And uh, that's it. I'm Linda McGlasson, and this is the Information Security Media Group's podcast series. That's all until next time.